A boy's best friend is his mother. Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Ah! Rocky! Oh, you're so cool, Brewster! I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? It was an asylum! And it was hell! 20 years of pure hell! Movies don't create psychos! Movies make psychos more creative! They're all gonna laugh at you! Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? Better give me those shoes, they're mine, give them back to me! How many times do I have to tell you Ursula Andres belongs with the transvestites, not the perverts? Oh, you heterosexuals. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. You're a bullshit artist! They're coming! They're coming! <laughs> Welcome to Famous Queens. You've just literally joined us as uh, Jonathan Butler mentions one about an erotic popcorn display. Troll 2. Oh, I'm Troll 2, of course. <laughs> Do some popcorn left. Uh, I'm Jonathan Larkin, and I've got the patience of a saint waiting for these three to catch up with me. What's your name? Jonathan Butler. Mars Infinity. Stephen Moore. So, tonight we are going to talk about a film from the 90s. A decade when, um, <laughs> by the way, Stephen is drinking coffee tonight and he's, he's I think he's got Tourette's. <laughs> oh no, no, it's just brandy. we're watching something from my decade, not like the 30s, like Martin's. Oh, <laughs> she went there. <laughs> I'm a child, I'm a millennium. That's okay. At least my decade had style. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. A good film. The 90s was a funny decade, wasn't it? It was. It was a decade when I sort of... Do you know what? I've got a lot to thank this film for, to be honest, because I f- kind of fell out of love with them. Two of my great loves growing up were Madonna and horror movies. 1992, Madonna became the horror of Babylon and my mum wouldn't let me listen to any of her music. <laughs> Not like in a puritanical, like, Penny Pinkleton. <laughs> yeah. Not like Mrs. Pinkleton from um, Hairspray. Not that kind. Yeah. She didn't time to the bed or anything. But she was very disapproving of the fact that I wanted to watch and listen to Madonna in 1992. And also, the the horror film thing, I, I, was, I was a huge fan of horror up until about 92, 93. And then the mainstream love of horror was Peter and I was a bit, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And yeah, so definitely. people, I didn't really have that many people to talk about horror films with until um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I went to see that on the pictures. I won tickets to see it. That was the first horror movie I ever saw on the big screen. But yeah, there was no, there, was, there wasn't really any big love for horror, was there? Mm. No, I don't think. Unless you were a video shop child like we all were, yeah. Stephen always yeah. was. But I think you're right, you went through, horror went through a real trough of despondency <laughs> in the early 90s. And it probably was New Nightmare and particularly this film that turned it around. Yeah. When was when was um, People Under the Stairs? That was earlier, surely, I think. I thought it was 80s. Was that 92 or something like that? Maybe 91, yeah, 92, I'd, 92, I'd, I think. If I was going to guess, I'd say about 92, 94. Because that, mm. that's, like a, that's a prime example of that came out and was quite big in the video shops and stuff mm. and people, wasn't it? But that completely passed me by. So, mm. you know, I had like a whole, I had a bit of a wilderness time mm. early in the 90s where I missed out on a lot of horror and I just didn't feel the love for it and stuff. So then 1996 and uh, a big mainstream audience sort of came back to horror thanks to the film that we're going to talk to tonight and obviously it is Wes Craven's Scream. Hello. Hello. Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. (laughs) I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Well, just some scary movie like scary movies uh-huh you never told me your name why do you want to know my name i want to know who i'm looking at 
Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Like scary movies. What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, what's up with this me? Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. You get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. He didn't make the rules. The police are always off track. If they watch Palm Night, they save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. I mean, Stephen Moore has written 25 pages of notes on this. September. <laughs> 50 pages of notes. So I'm actually going to hand it over to you this time. Scream is about a group of teenagers, the kind of friendly group of teenagers that it, they kind of don't much, but they do much. You kind of popular people, not so popular people, and they kind of get along with themselves. And then there's a murder of a young girl and her boyfriend. Um, and then it's all a murder mystery of who done it. It's kind of Scooby Doo, once again. Mm. It's a, a really big who done a film, and we follow them through as we reference every horror film culminating in a giant house party, slashings, killings, fun. Which now is like a stereotype cliche that we know, and we're like um, nothing new there. But I suppose in nineteen ninety six, after mainstream audiences hadn't really seen. Yeah. Something like this for a while. Done well, done really well with the big budget and stars and all that sort of stuff. I suppose it was a big deal then. It's one of those films that if you describe it, it definitely doesn't sound like anything new or interesting. It's just a film of like your classic horror kind of setup. But it also feels a bit more for me like a teen film, like a coming of age teen drama, but then mm. everyone gets murdered in it. I just think it's also one of the best pieces of cinema that's ever been made. <laughs> is it your favourite horror film? I don't know. I, I, I'd say Halloween is the better film, but I think this one has more of an emotional connection with me. I grew up with this film. I didn't think I saw it when I was six. I remember seeing this and this being one of the first films that really got me excited. Mm. And I loved everything about it, even though I think it grew with me as well. Yeah. So... When I first watched it, I just watched it as something... I didn't know the rules. I didn't know the films it was referencing. I didn't get any of that. And then the more I watched it, and even this time watching it again, there was films that it referenced that I got only knew now. And it, as I've got older and I've appreciated more of horror backwards, it's kind of... Yeah. I've enjoyed it more and more. So I felt like this film grew up with me. It's quite sweet, really, isn't it? Because everyone's got that film, haven't they, from that age... That is yeah. the first film that they saw. That will just always have a place in the heart, really. Yeah. Mine's probably Hammer Dracula. I was probably about six or seven when I first saw that. And I'll always have that sort of warm, fuzzy, sweet feeling about about that, no matter what. Have you got one? Jaws. Jaws. I was five when that came out, and I was immediately obsessed with that film, even though I couldn't see it. I wanted to see it. 
And I, I think I've told this story before, actually, but I got told at the time, you'll have to wait till it's on telly. It won't be on telly for another six years. <laughs> and I counted down every oh. year till I was 11. And it came on telly when I was 11. And I stayed up, to, and it was on a school night as well, and, and I stayed up. And watched it when I was eleven, but I'd count. I'd literally had counted down every year. That's amazing. Until it came. Does it came out. Somewhere? Definitely, yeah. definitely. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. And it was it terrified <laughs> me. And and I don't really like swimming in the sea. Not necessarily because <laughs> of that film, but I get freaked out swimming in the sea yeah. if I can't see my feet. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh right, okay. Yeah. What about you, Jonathan? Have you got one that Prob- one? Probably the thing. I can't just the thing. Were you like, were you like six or seven when you saw that? Uh, probably, yeah. My dad used to, my dad would just watch, yeah. would, would watch most things. Because he was, he was big into sci-fi. And so it was, he, he watched it more as like a sci-fi film. Yeah. So I've watched, I've watched it with him when I was a kid. Yeah. I watched that when I was growing up. Yeah, but I'd watched that and E.T. Like yeah. a double bell of the thing in E.T. <laughs> <laughs> so when Scream came along for me, then I would have been, I was 15. I couldn't see it on the cinema. But I had a friend who looked older than me. She was a girl. They all looked older mm. than me, the girls. So she went to sit with her older boyfriend, who I secretly coveted. He had a bubble butt, like Billy. She went to see it, and I was like desperate to find out what it was like. And I remember, I remember the day walking, coming out of my house, and she was waiting for me to walk to school and stuff. And we both, like, both carrying our books, like you know, and um, like Nevin Rose. And um, I was like, oh, what's it like? What's it like? And she gave me a blow by blow account of the film, every little bit of it, what it was mm. like. So I felt like I'd seen, and I was like delighted with it. And then when it finally came out, I got it from the video shop, and I watched it on repeat all the time. So I feel like I know this film word for word, or I totally, completely get it. Um, and I remember watching the first 10 minutes with the Drew Barrymore stuff, because it was my friend who told me that Drew Barrymore, spoiler, that Drew Barrymore <laughs> dies after 10 minutes, and I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. I was like shocked and all this, and I thought she was lying and <laughs> everything. Uh, I remember watching that first 10 minutes and being utterly thrilled by yeah. it and terrified by it, and the bit where you first see the mask and my heart going when I first saw the mask and all that. Um, I remember that terror. And then having it on, on video, and then I was in sixth form the year later, and when we'd have like days where we weren't doing anything, people would say to me, oh, bring a scream, bring a scream. And I'd bring it in, and then I'd watch everyone else be scared by it. And mm. that was something I did even as a child, when, when I'd make all my other friends watch horror movies, I'd watch them and watch them jump mm. and scream. So it was a delight for me, this film. I, I loved it at the time. I went to see it in the pictures because I was 452 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I could get into the cinema. Kind of I actually went on my own to see it. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I went on my own to see it. I occasionally used to do... I haven't been to the cinema on my own for a long time, but I oh, used yeah, to get... I, I used to, to do it occasionally. Yeah. And I think I used to go, particularly then, I used to go on a Sunday because there wasn't really very much going on on a Sunday. Mm. Um, and I probably didn't want to watch anything on telly, so I went to see see it on my own and on the first 10 minutes completely and utterly terrified me and I remember sitting in the cinema thinking what the fuck have I come to see (laughs) 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 so my first impression of it was I've always enjoyed those first 10 minutes yeah I I didn't didn't see it on the pictures I think I probably just watched it on video like you did Uh, one of my mates who lived around who lived near me I was about when I was fifteen, sixteen. Is he just buy? His mum would just get him all kinds of films. I think his dad as well lived abroad somewhere, so he'd send him all kinds of videotapes. I think we watched. Uh, I remember watching. I think Clockwork Orange. When we were fourteen, it was when it was still banned. So his dad sent him like. So I think the first time I watched that, I had we had such subtitles on it because <laughs> you couldn't get it in the UK then. But yeah, I think I probably watched it with him. I, I remember enjoying it at the time. I, 
didn't get like uh, well I, I knew a lot of the references but not yeah not that in depth you know I was, yeah. I was aware of the Halloween films and stuff like that yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it straight away but I think as the years have gone on I've enjoyed it less yeah it's a similar similar situation with me so the first, those first 10 minutes then they're like the the, the actually it's actual iconic horror moments yeah. without it without any talk of homage or rip-off or satire or anything like that it's just actual proper horror for 10 minutes and mm. it's brilliant i'm sure you've seen it but if you haven't seen it drew barrymore plays casey becker she's meant to be what 16 yeah. 17 mm. um she's having a nice gonna have a nice in with a boyfriend she's making popcorn gonna watch a scary movie gonna watch a scary movie and um, she's got a um, really interesting blonde bob wig. <laughs> um, she looks like Penny from Showgirls. And um, <laughs> she uh, gets she starts getting freaky phone calls, doesn't she? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favourite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favourite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters? Yeah. What's yours? Guess. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that the one where the guy had knives for fingers? Yeah, Freddy Krueger. Freddy, that's right. I like that movie. It was scary. Well, well the first one was, but the rest sucked. So, you got a boyfriend? <laughs> Why? You want to ask me out on a date? Maybe. Have a boyfriend? Mm, no. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. What did you say? I want to know who I'm talking to. That's not what you said. What do you think I said? What? Hello? Look, I gotta go. Wait, I thought we were gonna go out. Uh, nah, I don't think so. Don't hang up on me. Shit. Yes? I told you not to hang up on me. What do you want? To talk. Well, dial someone else, okay? obscene and violent in a very old-fashioned Wes Craven manner as well and I've always wondered the dialogue in that first 10 minutes whether that was original Kevin Williamson's original script some of those words that they use mm. in it mm. or whether Wes had something to do with it because for me one of the things that separates Wes Craven from a lot of other horror directors is Guts mm-hmm. yeah. he's been, always been obsessed with entrails and Guts yeah. and I remember watching Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time and this is I'm telling you, this has been cut. When I watch it now, even on the Blu-ray that I've got, it's not as long as it was. But I remember watching it as a kid and the bit where Tina gets killed. Mm. 
and she has her um, stomach split open and her all guts and stuff. And then she falls on the bed and the, the a fountain of blood that squirts out when she lands mm-hmm. on the bed is shorter now than I remember yeah. it being as a kid. But there was guts twice in that film. There was mm-hmm. Tina's guts and there was Freddy splitting his own yeah. stomach open in the guts film. And Last House on the Left has someone having mm. the guts ripped out. So when, when he says to her, I want to see what your insides look yeah, like. That's yeah, great. That sounds then, like frantic to me. It's and then Steve, Steve getting the that little extra touch gives me Wes Craven and not yeah. Kevin Williamson. So I've always wondered, and I can't find online whether anyone has ever found that out or not, ever, yeah. or ever asked. And when he turns on her, it says, if you hang up on me, I'll cut you like a fish. <laughs> That's almost almost entirely Freddy. Yeah. It could be Freddy saying that. Yeah. For me, the most interesting bit of the film quote is how flirty it is. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, especially, but like throughout, even as it's getting towards the end, it's there's still like elements of like the killers kind of seeing it as a game, and it does feel like kind of flirty and fun, and she's playing along with it, says she doesn't have a boyfriend and stuff like that. How the conversation goes from being really nice and fun and interesting to I'm gonna got you like a fish, like you know, mm. and the contrast of those two moments and going back and forth from each other is what makes it really intense. But it's strange because it's a very pleasant conversation, isn't it? For mm. quite a while, and she thinks it's a pleasant conversation, but you as a viewer very quickly realise this just isn't what it seems, and it's like she's getting played, does it like, it's like a cat playing with yeah. a mouse. Yeah. And yeah. You know, it makes you wonder about the Kevin Williamson had notes on that draft of the script from one of the executive producers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you talk to women yeah <laughs> I think um, you never know my favourite little line on this which I think is just that's nice is that um, I want to know yeah. who I'm looking at yeah and then she goes what and then mm. he goes oh I want to know who I'm talking to mm. and I just there's something so simple but menacing about that line yeah. and like it really like it still sends a bit of a chill up me so I'm going to watch that bit because yeah. I'm like oh imagine yeah. that happening to you you would be so freaked out when he says that you start to look at you start to look at the edges of the screen and just how many windows are in that fucking house yeah. <laughs> and, not, and not a curtain closed yes. yeah. <laughs> Martin sat up and of open curtains as we speak actually <laughs> <laughs> I think they talk a lot in like making up documentaries and stuff about this that he wanted to focus this of being inside their house and like the glass throughout it is meant to be like the barrier and that she's safe inside her home and that's why you see so much glass going on mm. and that she can see outside but, but you know she's safe because she's inside and then that, there's that moment that comes a bit later on into it where the chair comes through the window yeah, and that symbolises that she's no longer safe and that the barrier's been broken from the outside mm. world and her, and her own home is no longer safe and I think that's a really interesting kind of concept and with, with them going with that I think I actually do buy it I do feel like that that's why you feel the terror because it's at home and that's where you're meant to be safe in your house but isn't that a Wes Craven thing yeah. actually yeah. your home is never you, your home feels safer actually it's complete, It's just an illusion yeah. Yeah. you're never safe in your home a little bit like uh, Black Christmas as well where they're looking for a killer but the killer's in the house all along yeah. just hiding in the attic upstairs yeah I mean that's that's one of the oldest the oldest tropes of horror isn't it as yeah. taking the thing that you think is good and safe and turning it into something something else I just always think I mean maybe it's a lifetime so far of watching horror movies but I, I always have that fear of I was just saying to these I've been having recurring dreams lately of being broken into right. and I don't know where it's coming from but I've always had that feel that feeling of 
you know, when you really think about the one thing that's protecting you from the outside world is just a plane of glass mm. or a piece mm. of wood, which is your door. You know, it's you, you, if you think about that too much, mm. yeah. it does really freak you out, actually. When we start getting to the games, do we want to play a game? Mm. So, rip off. Uh, when we get to that point, did we actually answer the questions right the first time you saw it? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was my thing. I remember, I remember, because I was with, I was with someone, oh, I can't remember who I watched it with for the first time, and I was there, no, it was his mum, it was Jason's yeah. mum. See, obviously, this is before I'd ever seen yeah. that film, so it was completely going over my head, yeah. but I was quite interested to see how many people it probably does throw off, and it probably still would throw off a lot of people, Yeah, casual horror fans at least. Yeah. I think if you went to the Odeon and did a survey of most of the people coming out of the latest horror film, you'd yeah. probably all get it wrong. I wonder whether some of them would even know what Friday the 13th was. Mm. Mm. The out casual, the, the average the cinema going yeah. now. Yeah. Anyone under 25, probably not. Yeah. They would have in the 90s, because mm. it, was close, it was close enough yeah. when the series was out anyway. Yeah. That's yeah, true. I remember the last one. Last one was what eighty nine, ninety, was it? The last Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Was the remake? Jason X. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm thinking. What was the one? Jason yeah. X, late nineties, and then there was the. But the, they would like the, all the straight to see, straight to video. Shitty ones, right? Friday versus Jason. Friday versus Jason. Yeah. And the remake. Yeah. Remake. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
and my phone does make and was like I'm really worried and then his mate started tell, saying stuff to him over the phone about <laughs> slasher movies <laughs> and he, he was terrified but it gave him the inspiration for the for everything the phone mm. talking about slasher movies on the phone and all that sort of stuff I get a lot more freaked out listening to true crime stuff than I do with anything horror yeah it doesn't even have to be scary you just need like a bit of creepy music in the background and then yeah. tell me a real story and I am shitting yeah. myself yeah. yeah yeah so Casey and Steve are both killed in the first 10 minutes She's hung up from a tree, isn't she? She's got a guts hanging out as well. There's With the guts hanging out. Likes the guts. And a liver's in the mailbox. Yeah, next to her screen in a pancreas. Yeah, and we have the Halloween reference as well, don't we, in the first scene where he says, go down the street to the Mackenzie's. Yeah. I, I do like the way he taunts and he says, oh, you may as well go and investigate a strange noise. Yeah, funny as well, Um, go, go down the street to the Mackenzie's and then in Halloween H2O, Jamie Lee Curtis says, go down the street to the backers. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Complete full circle moment, yeah. yeah. And there's some interesting thing on the commentary on the film. They take credit for deciding to use her as the first person to kill her off in 10 minutes. They're talking about how they came up with that idea because they wanted to throw people. Mm. But then in later interviews that you see with them, they talk about how she came in and decided that she wanted to do that character. Yeah. And I'm like, so which one was it? Mm. Yeah. I think she just wanted out of it. Like she didn't want to do the full film. I think so. I think so. Because she, she, she auditioned to play. She came in a Sydney press class. Yeah. And then decided. And she says in an interview, I've read it before, in my last minute cramming, she says in an interview, I mean, I love the whole movie, but I just really loved the first 10 minutes. Mm. So I, I wonder whether it was just her saying, I don't want to do that. And it worked for the film's advantage, but... Yeah, it did. It worked to her advantage because her career wasn't particularly no. stellar at that point. It really it saved her. Well, it didn't maybe save a career. It just gave her another career. It gave her a boost. She ended up in all kinds mm-hmm. of rom-coms after that, didn't she? Never been kissed. And yeah, yeah. All those See, I didn't get it because for me, I didn't know who she was when I watched the film. I know now who she is. I didn't understand that she's the big star and that's why people mm. were shocked that she got killed and then she didn't. But then she's took People say, like you said, her career was going down there. She's yeah. a so why is she still a big star? She was a big child star. She's a big she? child star. She's an E.T. She's the, the girl in E.T. Shut up. She's yeah. the little girl yeah. in E.T. That's what she's famous for. Shut up. That's yeah. Elliot's sister. Touch she's in all sorts. So she was a child star? She was yeah. Star, yeah. She was, yeah, I just know she's an adult. She'd fucked up her career by the time she was 11. Because she was in rehab at 12 for coke, doing coke. That's why... I, Face is all wonky, yeah. and then she, she had, like, re- then she had sort of a bit of a revival. But she was out called revival. She was starting to do work when she became an adult, but it was all shitty made for TV. She did films. Like films, and yeah, she, yeah. That was all she could. That so was all she could she get. Start? The best thing she did before before Scream was a was like a Lifetime movie, which was based on a real. It's a true crime thing mm-hmm. about a, a schoolgirl being having an affair with a married man That's and there was it, some yeah. sort of murder. It was quite a famous case at the time. Yeah. That's what she was most famous for because that TV film got such um, attention. It yeah. got a video release because it didn't always get video releases and then mm-hmm. it was a big video shop yeah. hit. Drew That's Barry, probably why she got that. Drew Barrymore, by, uh, by 1996, it was a pop culture person. She was, mm. she was, she was, so that's where the thing was. She was big because... She was big because she was Drew Barrymore. She was big because she was the okay. kid who ended up on drugs by 10. So like a Lindsay Lohan or something, now it's still yeah. big because it's Lindsay Lohan. But, her, but, her, but Drew Barrymore's experience was more extreme than Lindsay Lohan's because mm. she was in rehab by 12 and should be dead now. 
she that? should be dead. Yeah. But she wasn't, and she's one of the few people who's come out of it and learned something and mm. turned she's the lights around. And we were great. saying this the other day, weren't we? Because yeah. she's just, in spite of all of that strange experience and you having a Hollywood pedigree, mm. you her generations of her family were Hollywood stars, the Barrymores. She's actually incredibly well adjusted. Yeah, she's probably someone. Yeah. She's someone who's been very humbled by the by the shitty experiences mm, yeah. she's had. I think, and she's turned her life around in that way. So by that point, yeah, people. So mid nineties, Drew Barrymore was massive to the film going up or film going public because of her, the mythology around her, as opposed to her film career. Okay. So now this makes more sense. Yeah, if you were old enough in '96, if you were 18 in '96, you would have seen her stuff in the '80s, like '80s, wouldn't you? Yeah, and '80s is just on the telly all the time. Yeah, so people knew. This is interesting. Yeah, adding more layers to the film. That's what makes that first 10 minutes as iconic as it is. There's so much packed into the mythology of it. So then it's kind of like the the psycho thing again, isn't it? It's like, oh, this is who you think is the big star. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I'll, I'll never get sick of that trope. It's like Angie Dickinson and Justin Hill. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's a great filmmaking technique. I love it. So then after that, then, so we've got the first 10 minutes done. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it's all downhill from there, really. It's just such a terrible film. Mm-hmm. I'm only saying this to wind Stephen up. I really like it. So then we move on, don't we? And it becomes Sydney's story. You just drop straight into that, the school aftermath, which I think is just such a cool thing of the um, very American thing of all the news reporters just there yeah, on the lawn of the yeah. school doing the report. And, yeah. And well, first up, though, we have a scene, we have the Dawson's Creek via, oh, Fire Nightmare on Elm Street scene, don't we? Where yeah. she's in a bedroom and we see the sort of the boy at the window who's like Johnny Depp meets Dawson. Um, yeah. He's more pacey, really. And um, we have a dreary guitar. Re- reinterpretation mm. of Don't Fear the Reaper which was in Halloween mm. which basically set the scene for a million John Lewis adverts to follow wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> take a happy song and turn it into something dreamy and I always love the fact that she's got the Indigo Girls poster on the bedroom I wall. too Christ, I only thought lesbians for Indigo, <laughs> Indigo Girls at she that point she would never have been in no. Nev Campbell maybe but Sidney <laughs> yeah. Prescott would never have listened no. to the Indigo Girls Definitely not. And we have quite a sweet scene, don't we? Um, of like teen romance and all mm. this sort of stuff, which is just overloaded again with Dawson's Creek dialogue, which mm. now drives me absolutely insane. Whereas back then I loved it. It was a bit cringe when I was watching it. It was all like, we're PG-13. Yeah, we're PG-13. Oh, PG-13. Man, it's yeah. makes me sad. And it just... Oh. But then I also get the scary movie thing where she shows her tits and she's got a hairy chest so that always comes into my head when she does it. <laughs> I've never seen that. The scary never movie film is only on red just on my radar because I hate sca- it. Oh, in the scary movie when she does so it's set yeah. page 13 and she takes the top off and she's got a hairy tits. Yeah. Wasn't the, wasn't the working title for the scary movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's why they chose the scary yeah. movie as their title. It was, yeah. Didn't they release as well? It was both Dimension Dimension films. Didn't they release scary movie yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it was the Weinsteins. And the Weinsteins were the ones who made them change the name. Like, they forced them. Inspired by Michael and Janet Jackson. They were, they were inspired by the yeah. song Scream. Yeah, of yeah, course. Was, that was. came up the year before, didn't yeah. it? Not the painting. <laughs> no, not the painting. Shockingly, no. Not that work of art, but um, another work of art. Yeah, sorry. And then, yeah, we plunged straight into the high school aftermath. With um, Linda Blair lurking in the bushes, which is yeah. which is great. Ben never noticed until I pointed it out to him. I just like as you go through it, and then there's things like one of them says something about their rumors of the occult, mm. and it like goes into like yeah, you know, it's referencing satanic panic that happened all across mm. America and stuff like that. And then you just see Gail Weathers 
the start of the show. The start of the show. Mm. Courtney Cox absolutely owns this film. She's mm-hmm. so gleeful in her awfulness as mm. a person, which makes me sometimes wonder whether she's acting mm. or is this what she's actually really like? She doesn't do much nowadays, so maybe that's what she is like. Yeah. Maybe that's why she doesn't get, get work. I just get the vibe. <laughs> I get the vibe from her, you know, especially because when she was playing Monica as well, mm. she was so sort of sweet, sickly sweet, but there was always like that hint yeah. of evil about her. <laughs> Whereas in this, yes. it just sort of runs free. If this she was that much of a bitch, then I'd love her. Yeah, like, she is great. I do, I do love that the principal was Henry Winkler. Yeah. He's brilliant. So he's, he's just brilliant anyway. Yeah, it is funny. And that's probably a reference that people of a particular age will only really understand why the significant. Who is he if you don't yeah, know? Yeah. If you've never heard yeah. of Happy Days and the Funds and yeah. you don't have that reference? Well, I even me in the 90s, I didn't really get it. Yeah. I didn't really get it. And I knew what Happy Days was, but I never really watched it. Mm. Even yeah. though it, was, it was always on. Yeah, it was always on. I remember watching that one as a kid. It was yeah. always on Channel 4. Yeah. But, hey! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't know who it was. So it's like a <laughs> fake 50s show made in the 80s, sort of in the 70s. 70s, 70s yeah. And then yeah. I was watching in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I liked a bit when he's over the tunnel and he says, Your principal loves you. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much, though. Not too much. Uh, Rose McGowan, straight off, from the, off the bat, is very, very likeable. Very. She's uh, my favourite of. I love Rose anyway. She's really, she was really cool back then. She just come off of the back of making a film which I love called The Doom Generation mm-hmm. by Greg Araki, which is like he's, he's like a mad queer director and she okay. it's a road movie, it's a murder road movie where she's in a bisexual love triangle with two lads. Okay. And it's great. It's a really good film. But check her out in that. Yeah. She's really cool. I just love her anyway, but I think of all the characters she's probably my favourite of the teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a bit undeserved that she meets her fate compared to like some of the others I would have much preferred to have seen that but I think that's sometimes good though isn't it I think that might be that might be Kevin Williamson's TV training where, where you get told right. make them care about someone before you kill, kill them, them. Mm-hmm. yeah um, so yeah that's probably why you get killed off you don't the sequels either that's true <laughs> <And> I'm, yeah <laughs> no shitty sequels and I've said this before in another podcast but Neve Campbell does irritate me. Oh, I think she's so actually, adequate. yeah, I do sort of. I, I do wish she was killed. Was it the craft by any chance? It's the craft. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she does that thing, doesn't she? That, I, that she does. She does it again and again in this film, where to, to, to show that she's shocked by something, she goes. <laughs> 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 and you just want to punch her in the throat. And yeah, I do, I just feel she's she's just adequate. She she does the job. I, I'm not amazed by anything she ever does. I can't think of anyone else who would rather see her in that role. Though, to be honest, at that point, I know that was it. Reese Witherspoon, yeah, was in the line was lines of it, and Claire Danes as well. They were both. I just think mentioned Sydney's. She, she's just a bit of a boring character. Mm. She's not the interesting one. And that's partly why Neve Campbell's so suited to that yeah. role. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly it. She doesn't. Rose McGowan couldn't. Well, she probably did have the skills to do it, but yeah. it's more convincing it being Eve yeah. Campbell. Definitely. I think she's just meant to be that average girl who's had a, a bit of a shitty time, and that's it. And we just see her grow. And she becomes a bit badass. And she's I just, fine. I don't you, think she's she the, at the end. Hmm. And that, you know, she gets there, but... She's not the star of the show. The film itself is just the star. I'm not, like, following that character. Mm. I don't care that she's a badass. Yeah. You're not cheering for her in the way... I don't feel like fine I'm cheering for her at the end of the film particularly it seems a bit strange that she's so wet and then becomes so fierce yeah. whereas 
if I contrast that with Jamie Lee Curtis and yeah. Halloween, she's unnerved by everything that's happened, mm. but she's not. She's never really pathetic. Yeah, and Nancy and Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. as well. She's actually mental from the beginning, isn't mm. she? Really, when you think about it. But in all fairness, when she gets her first phone call, she's strong of the bat. She goes and. Um, she, she calls us bluff, doesn't she? Calls yeah. bluff on the porch, and, and like she's a fucking lunatic, <laughs> by the way, yeah. because that's terrifying. Do you find that scene scary? I just don't like the fact that she goes out. Yeah, see, mm. I've never. This is this is my one of my issues, right, with the film. And even back then, I was terrified by the first ten minutes. The rest of it is great fun, but not scary in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not scary, and I think that's a bit of a shame, especially think, with Wes Craven at the helm. I think that's also why I liked it when I was a kid, though. Because it wasn't, it's it wasn't quite much, scary enough. Yeah. But then it was scary enough that I could say I was watching a scary film, yeah, mm. without freaking myself out. Because yeah. I, that was a very scared child. Mm. Oh. I've grown up to be less scared now, <laughs> and I can watch anything. But I, when I was a kid, I watched the Rockin' and had nightmares for about two years. But that was quite traumatic. Yeah. Courtney Cox sort of stands above everyone. I think the rest of the cast are all good. They're all fine. Skeet Ulrich is not quite the heartthrob that you want him to be. He's like greasy and ratty. Mm. Although he's... now a Dilf in Riverdale. Yeah, yeah, Check him out on Riverdale, fans. He's, he's good in Riverdale. Yeah. yeah. He, he kind of went away for a while, didn't he? I didn't, you didn't see him much for yeah. a while, but he's kind of come back and he is, he's good in that, I think. Yeah. Matthew Lillard as Stu is sort awesome. of... Matthew Lillard. He's just I like, hate he's, him. I, yeah, I can't he's, he's perfect in this role. I want him murdered. There are bits of him that make me laugh. He is the best, like... I, like just it's just off the wall it, it wouldn't work in any other sense I think it just works in this one contained little he did thing. play he did play Shaggy in Scooby-Doo didn't he did yeah. he yeah yeah in the Scooby-Doo film which I always think is quite funny that this is a proper Scooby-Doo film to right. me and then he played that's very funny which I love Scooby-Doo and also so I must say the same thing about Matthew Lillard as well he's come back now he's in the new Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and he's brilliant in that he's really so he is a really good actor but as Stu I just want to strangle him the whole time. It's very, very 90s. I want to hit him on the forehead with a lollipop yeah. the whole time. Um, he didn't even know audition for the film properly. He went in with his girlfriend who was auditioning for something else. Oh, okay. And the casting director came out and saw him and just asked him to audition because he had the physicality. But then he was auditioning for... Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby-Doo. <laughs> uh, Billy's character. How was it? Was it originally? Oh, okay. And then he recast him because... Yeah, he's, he's, not, quite he's not a he's not boyfriend material, is he? But Billy's um haircut, the like nineties part, forever, anytime I see anyone with a haircut, it makes me think of you're a psycho boyfriend. <laughs> but when I think about it retrospectively, I think it's this film that's made me think that yeah, will be. whereas now I just see the haircut and I'm like, don't like you. He does a very strange thing with his voice as well. When he shouts Sydney, his voice goes really really like he's very strange. And um, Jamie Kennedy kind of annoys me as well. I'm yeah. Sorry. Then, both of them, really, yeah. both of them annoy me. Yeah. And they're a bit shouty, and it's just like I just don't want them to stop. I think he has some good, really good moments. Yeah. Overall, I don't particularly like fall head over heels mm. from everyone else. Yeah. Is that the guy working the video shop? Yeah. Mm. Andy. Because yeah. he has the rules and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. And I, he has. I do like that halfway through the film, he tells you the end. And, yeah, yeah, he does. And anyone who's paying attention goes, oh, okay, yeah. 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 And then, like, you know, during the scene in front of the fountain, like the friends kind of scene. But they're eating grapes, aren't they? 
Yeah, but... I know it doesn't matter where she says um, when he's talking about he's talking saying I'm horrible things. Yeah. She says I'm trying to eat it. She's got no food. Pop and go. Yeah. Just dust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I like his delivery of those little lines there with that um did they really put a lever in the mailbox? Because I heard put a lever in the mailbox next yeah. to Spleen and Pancras. Yeah. That delivery is great. Is he imitating someone there from another film? I was thought, was he being like Rain Man or someone? I, I tuned out by this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, to be fair, probably the stuff that I kind of, I'm the most lenient with is all that. When the reference in films, it's kind of like, for me, it's at least it's wearing its heart on its sleeve, you yeah. know? It, it's, it's copying these, but at least it's referencing them as well. It's not as egregious as some things. Yeah, no, that's true. I like in this scene, when you rewatch it, there's bits where he's talking about, oh, it takes a man to do that. Yeah. And then he describes how you, yeah. you do split someone's ribs. Like, you just think it's obviously red herring territory. And it's just being, or it's someone being over the top and mm. trying to gross up the friends. But if you actually think about the dynamic of the two killers, it's kind of interesting that he's almost bragging because he's the stupid idiot mm. when he goes on from his mouth mm. and then he pulls him back yeah. and tells him to stop. Well, Billy's the, Billy's the brains in the in the um, setup, isn't he? And Stu's the brawn. I think that's what, what it's meant to be. Really? Brawn? Well, you know what I mean. He's lanky. He probably, do, he probably makes him do all the dirty work. Mm. Yeah. That's imagine because he's a little wet ass, isn't he, Billy? And I think, it, but it is that dynamic between two killers. There's always one that's yeah. In real life, I'm talking, there's always a dominant killer. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bit of everyone. And I think they kind of get that dynamic yeah. right between the two of them. I like that this film upholds that age, age-old horror movie tradition where all teenagers seem to live in millionaires' houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's like, how much money do their parents make? Ridiculous. Um, and I love her, um, I love Sydney. So when Sydney gets attacked after the porch scene, I do enjoy her um, 90s computer police. Mm-hmm. Does she email the police or is that some sort of weird text chat? Live police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I always found weird. They cut a bit, didn't they? Because in, in the trailer it says killer in the house, but in the, in the film she just says. Oh. And it also, she types in her address and it's Elm Street. Oh, is it? Yeah, but they cut that for time. Oh, oh that would have been nice. Mm. How long does it take to read that? I don't. That's yeah. what I thought as well. I don't understand why they cut it for time because yeah. you could just literally have it on screen. Yeah, that's true. I think David Arquette's quite cute in this film. Yeah, I like his little moustache. Mm. Um, he freaks me out. He freaks me out. I don't like him, but <laughs> just it, from watching the documentaries and stuff, he's a fucking weirdo. And he, he talks about how he's um, going out with Courtney Cox and how the relationship works and stuff. And it, it was just like. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. Why? Really? I don't know. It's just really weird. <laughs> he does like, he weird. sets himself up. He chose that role because he got to like kiss Courtney Hawks and stuff. And then in this other one, it's just before they made Scream 4. And obviously they broke up at this point. Yeah. And he's talking about how life imitates art. And now they got together in the film and then they got together. And then in this film, they broke up just before the characters had broke up in the films. Right, that's weird. And Do we think he's going to maybe stab her to death one day? Yeah. <laughs> He'd be the one I'd be putting the finger at. Yeah. He's the not a redhead and he's the one. I do like his, his line where I think is I think Gail's trying to chat him up. She's like, my show is the most popular for 21 to 24 oh, year olds. Yeah. It's like, oh, but it looks like I've just missed you. And it's like, oh, but I was 24 for a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so my favourite line of the whole film is, I'll send you a copy. That's my favourite moment. It's, the whole, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's so good because she so deserves that punch in the face. 
It's perfect. Yeah. It's just so well played. But yeah. Sydney does really good with the setup for that as well. Like yeah. the way she talks, the run stuff is fun. Yeah. That's not the favourite When I tell you to get a move on, please interpret oh, yeah. that as <laughs> move your fat tub oh, allowed ass. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's I heard the line and I was surprised that it wasn't in the intro. I'm surprised it was it was the line that ended up there and not this one. It looks like you fingered the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately knew of that one. I was going to say yes. We've all been there. We have all been there, yeah. <laughs> Anyone else knows the sheriff is, um, he was John Saxon's deputy in Nightmare on Oh, really? And also, more obscure, he was in Death Spell. Oh, wow. Yes, has anyone seen it? Uh, yeah, we watched it to the day. What a film. It's up there. That's fucking mad. Isn't it? That, that I've got two favorite moments, and it is. I'll, I'll send you a copy, and then the next one is the vile, vile bitches in the bathroom. Oh yeah. Time. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Perfect little bubble book boyfriend Billy. I love that. Yeah, and then where'd you get this from? Ricky Lake. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's a slut like her mom. Yeah, and then she scrunches it down for the um, the line of. Teen Suicide is out this year. Yeah, yeah. And what if she did it? What if Sydney killed Casey and Steve? Why would she do that? Maybe she had the hots for Steve and killed them both in each other's range. What would Sydney want with Steve? She has her own bubble butt boyfriend, Billy. Maybe she's a slut, just like her mother. You're evil. Please. It's a common fact. Her mother was a tramp. Cut some slack. She watched her mom get butchered. And it fucked her up royally. Think about it. Her mother's death leaves her disturbed and hostile in a cruel and inhumane world. She's delusional, where's God, etc. Completely suicidal. One day she snaps. She wants to kill herself, but she realizes that teen suicide is out this year and homicide is a much healthier therapeutic expression. Where do you get this shit? Ricky Lake? Oh, you are pathetic. That's, I love that scene. That's but that was nearly completely cut. Again, Why? that was on like gonna go on cutting floor because they thought it was um it didn't really fit. Do you mean? Like it was just filler mm. and um like the scenes flow as well if you didn't have that in the middle and it does if like if you ignore that bit from one scene to the next would work better. I also uh, but they kept it when they shot Wes Craven shot it and he saw how much emotion kinda of went into that scene. Because yeah. it is actually mm. I think the crux of the sadness as well. Yeah. You see her break down in the cubicle by herself. I actually though think that that scene's fine until they try and be scary and then that bit that bit where, where the killer tries to get yeah, her, it's that's filler. Yeah. But the rest of it... It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. Nobody goes to investigate. But yeah. I don't think kind of play it off as if it's just a, a pupil. The next scene around. says yeah. it's a prank. Yeah, but it feels like, I don't know, it just feels like it's tagged on. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like uh, Rose McGowan's jersey. They've left it in to wash too long because it's like tiny. Yeah. It's shrunk. It's very small. Now that Billy tried to mutilate her, do you think Sid would go out with me? Is another, <laughs> another good line. There's another good line. Do you know what? I do, re- I do actually have a lot of respect for Kevin Williamson. I think as much as some of his writing really annoys me, I think most of the time he's really good. He's very witty. Yeah. It's just that I think a lot of it is, is so obsessed with, with pop culture at the time, it just dates. Mm. Ten years later, you're like, oh, fuck's sake. But then that's, that's it. They're not, he wasn't scared of time in his film. Yeah, it's that time. But if you are from that time, or you lived through that time, you get it. Suppose people are still watching Halloween, and people are still watching Friday the 13th, and people are still watching Nightmare on Elm Street now. Mm. So it doesn't date as badly as it could have. 
Mm. Although there's a Candyman reference, which is a bit, mm, a bit forced. Mm. It's like Candyman's not the classic. Some of the others are, maybe. Mm. You leave Candyman alone. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, I think I the Richard Gear um, yeah. line, I think that still stays. I think people still know that. And, well, I know. I, I didn't know that at the time. I, I was like, I always wonder what that meant. What line? What was it? Sorry, was... Richard Gere in the Hamster Story. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. There's yeah. the only times you can hear it before it has to be true. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's great. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something... I, I just think... I think that scene in particular on the porch is, is like the references feel forced in. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like they're all they're all sort of shoehorned in. It just, goes, it just goes too far for me. I researched the Tom Cruise and all the right moves. Oh yeah, that, I remember Which, that. It is true. Yeah, it is true. Well, I think yeah. you see one of his nuts or something, isn't you it? You can see his dick. I can see his dick, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, I like the janitor as well, Call Fred. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's West Graham. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is in. He said it in the original costume as well. Oh, is it? Mm. Well, one of the original costumes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then the principal gets murdered. That scene just doesn't scare me either. I've, I just feel like there's loads of murder scenes in it that don't that don't scare me. And I think it's that was it's a bit funny. unnecessary as well. Yeah. It was forced. Forced. Yeah. Well, the 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 producers saying we want to we want a higher body count because they read thirty pages without killing anyone. Yeah. Well, that's so it. I mean, and you know. I, I do think that I think there's loads of space in this film where there's no murders and you're like come on but it needs to be something need, mm. I don't think it needs it I don't like that scene because I think it is just forced and it's just pointless and I'd like, yeah but I'd like the scene if it was scary yeah. it's just not scary no but I don't like why yeah but that's what I mean the principle why would that character die but there's, there's a nice payoff to it though isn't there <laughs> there's a nice yeah. payoff where they say oh let's go and pull him down that, that makes me laugh but then they didn't have that in the original thing, they, yeah. were, they were struggling with a way of getting the party to leave. Yeah. yeah. And it was only because they were forced to kill him that he came up with that's the yeah. reason why they don't leave. Yeah, that's that's funny. That is funny. Um, the party's quite fun. I, I, one of the things that irritates me most about about it is um, about the film is the inaccuracy when they're watching Halloween. <laughs> because they played the scene and it doesn't play out that way. It's been remixed just to fit the yeah. film. Mm. And they refer to all the blood and there's no blood in that scene mm. or in Halloween. Yeah. And I, f- I find that irritating because I think if you're going to send up the genre, at least pay attention to detail. So that, that winds up the pedant in me. But it's nicely done. Like, I think the way they remix it and the way they use the original music that's to like kind of supplement yeah. Yeah. this film really works yeah. well. It's like, I know obviously they were going to have to cut it to make it fit the way they wanted it to fit. Yeah. I think it's more to talk about works. the blood in the scene than there's no blood in the scene. And any horror fan would know that. I knew that at 15. I was like, yeah. oh, there isn't any blood in that scene. And I just think, pay attention to detail. But I'm sure that's a common thing that people think that there is blood in that scene. Yeah, but they're referring to it like they're watching it. Yeah, yeah. There's too much blood and there's nothing there mm. on the screen. So I'm just being pedantic, but yeah. it's the little things like that that annoy me. If someone's going to send up the genre and 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 be heralded as being someone who's an expert on the genre, yeah, get it, get they, it right. If they, if they don't get it right, then no. it will wind me up. Which makes it a terrible film, Stephen. No, it doesn't. directed some of these films as well. <laughs> <laughs> don't get your own shit wrong. Yeah, and when she says Wes Carpenter movie, that feels forced. As yeah, well. that I don't, I don't like, like that. that. I don't like that. I do like the one. At the very beginning, when he talks about um, the first Nightmare on she was good, the rest sucked. Yeah, yeah. Um, which he was going to take out because he felt like it was too bitchy. Like Wes Craven wanted him to cut it, and yeah. then he turned around and said, Well, I'm including your new Nightmare in that, which wasn't shit. So. so, Rose's death scene, 
Death by Cat Flap. Well, it's door. It's like, well, is it Dog Flap? Is it Cat Flap? Death by Cat Flap? Yeah. Well, it's, like, it's the door going up that kills, I suppose, isn't it? Not the Cat Flap. I think it's... A... But she's stuck in the Cat Flap. It's a bit of a stupid death. I love it. I love it. I think it's a great <laughs> day. It is a, it is a stupid day. It's so there's, yeah. there is that element there. There is something always macabre, really yeah. funny about it. Yeah. But also I remember watching it in the pictures and squirming in a seat because I wanted to be able to, to yeah. escape. And yeah, it's, it's a wonderful teen horror moment. Where she's stuck in a cat flat. She can't go backwards or forwards. She can't go backwards back the way she can't because her boobs are too big because they've made the yeah. get stuck in the, yeah. in the cat flat. Yeah. And yet she's got her arm wedged. Yeah. And it's just, it's so awkward and yeah. just awful. And you know, just that moment that she realises that she's going to get her head crushed. <laughs> and you know as well, yeah. it's awful. I don't particularly like the death, but I love all the setup. Like that, um, Oh, yeah. Do you want to pay Psycho yeah. Killer? Yeah. Yeah. Please, yeah. Mr. Ghostface. Please yeah. don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. Yeah. That's actually a lot more... That's scary because you know it's real and mm, that yeah. is... There's something really scary about that before it starts. And then it becomes yeah. like the comedy sketch with the fridge and stuff yeah. and the bottles. Yeah. Which is fun. Which is very Freddy Krueger again, isn't it? Yeah. Throwing bottles at him and all that sort of stuff. It must be cold in that garage. I made a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> Turned the uh, <laughs> turn the aircon up. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he was on set that day, um, and then that's set against the rules moment, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Don't you know the rules? So the rules of the horror movie, which I remember when this film was out, and uh, they show clips on TV. This was the, they used that same clip over and over. That was always in the trailer, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. That that's sort of the essence of the film, isn't it? It's sort of it's sort of talking about the rules of a horror movie. It's like it's sort of teaching a mainstream audience stuff. But if you're a, if you were a horror fan back then. You'd be sitting there going, well, yeah, I know that. Yeah. I think... But you're also sort of celebrating it in a way, I suppose. What's fun about it, I think, is that sometimes they, they talk about the rules and then they'll break the rules and not follow it. Mm-hmm. Like, they let her have sex and live and stuff like that. But then at yeah. times where you think, oh, no, they're not going to do the typical horror trope, they do just do it. Yeah. It's never consistently all anti-trope or, or yeah. falling for it. Yeah. You get a mixed bag. And I think that's good. There's like scenes where they back up like towards camera, which instantly means you're gonna back up into the killer. Yeah. And they don't do it on purpose. And then the scenes where you do get that exact scare, like someone's in the closet. Oh, yeah. Gail Weather says I'll be back. Which yeah. is going off the wall with yeah. Julie, she but she's not the one who gets killed. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it is all I suppose part of it was about booking the trend though, wasn't it? Yeah. It was about setting new rules in a way. It was like saying, this is the way slasher movies have been up until now, but we're going to change that and we're going to do it our way. 
yeah. sort of thing. And I do, I do kind of respect that. But you know that it's, it's going to be short-lived because people are just going to go back to watching the films that they watched 10 years mm. ago in the end anyway. I know, but then there's troops out there because they're good. Well, that's it, yeah. They work, they work for the reasons, don't mm. they? Here it comes. Jesus Christ, you don't know the rules? Uh, have an aneurysm, why don't you? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. Big no no! Big no no! Sex equals death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. No, the sin factor. It's a sin. It's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. You see, you push the laws and you end up dead. Okay, I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife. Well, there's a bit earlier on the rest of it you think is quite interesting. That, um, the bit where they're talking about whether it's going to get made into a film, like their story. Oh yeah, and she says, um, "He says a young Meg Ryan, and she thinks, no, my look, it will be Tory Spelling.'" Mm. <laughs> and then in the sequel, Did he casts Tory Spelling. Which Tory Spelling is such a good sport, isn't she for doing yeah. that as well? That's really nice. And then we've got the sex scene, haven't we? They start and then it just cuts away, yeah. and then it's over. Yeah, it's not really a sex scene, is it? Yeah, because they wouldn't have been allowed to do that. In a way, the film's quite a conservative film. In a way, because mm. it's like it's like saying, basically, this film is saying that. 80s slasher movies with the boobs and everything was a bad thing mm. in a way it's saying you know we're not going to do that because it demeans women and blah blah I didn't say that I think it's breaking the rule again mm. you're breaking the rule of because you're just tits like because it's also synced up perfectly to when Dingo's meant to be unveiling her tits in yeah. Halloween and then they cut to her yeah. about to have sex and yeah, then you no, don't show that. either I get that, but I think, you know, it was a fun rule to break, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, it was one of the... It I remember was, it was more tits. <laughs> yeah, it was more, the, more, the more exploitative um, aspects of those films from the 80s are kind of what people tuned in for in the first place, so... The bad seed gets referenced. It does, yeah. yeah. it does. Which really threw me, because I'd yeah. never seen it, and then obviously we mm-hmm. reviewed it. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, yeah. that's new. Well, you know, it was written by a gay American horror fan. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to know what the bad seed is, let's face it. Uh, Tarantino said that he almost had the opportunity to direct this, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He quite famously slagged Wes Craven off. I think it was after he died as well. Wow. He said that, that sounds like something Tarantino would do. Yeah, he said in like an interview that um, Scream was offered to him and Robert Rodriguez, 
and um, he says that he, he wishes he'd done it because he was taken it to places where Craven couldn't. That's something Tarantino would have done a good yeah. job. Well, all the references are in the script, and he couldn't have pretended he fucking came up. I know, that's it, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I mean, it does, a, it does a similar job to what Tarantino film does, and it did for me as well. Um, you know, no shame in admitting it. Like, things like um, black exploitation movies and, uh, and well, mainly just black exploitation yeah. movies. When I watched Tarantino films, I would have had much of a knowledge of them, and they did turn me on to them. Mm. Yeah. So I think Scream did a similar thing to, to Tarantino films and made people go back and look at the things that Scream was referencing, which is, you know, in a way, that's that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, really? that's good if people do that, but I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I know about Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he copies stuff and pretends it's his own, when it's, yeah. it's clearly not. Yeah. I think every, one of, every single one of his films is just ripped up and off. Yeah. With him, Wes Craven's been this on like three times, mm. and then only said yeah because he went to like a convention, and a little eleven-year-old boy came up to him and said, um, "When are you going to start making a really like hard film again? You keep making, you've mm. got softer, and each film got softer and softer. So then he, that made him say yeah because he was trying to push against." Didn't he win an Oscar for some like rom- like a rom com about an orchestra or something? Didn't he? He made that film that Madonna was going to be in. Yeah. Um, I know. <laughs> Sorry, I know. Music of the Heart. Music of the Heart. Yeah, yeah. Donner even had violin lessons <laughs> to be able to be yeah. the um the the star in the film. And who was it in the end? It was Meryl Streep, wasn't it? I thought it was someone random like Gloria Estefan. No, it was, <laughs> one, it was Meryl Streep in the end. Oh, did yeah, Gloria Estefan just have a, a song on the soundtrack? Maybe. <laughs> Is that what I'm thinking? Well, maybe she was one of the million people who were up for the part. Um, I don't think anybody. Made a good move with that film. Music of the Heart. I'm sure it got an Oscar. I'm sure it got Oscar nomination. Not even a win. But anyone can get a fucking well, Oscar yeah. nomination, can't they? If the politics are blowing in the right direction. Blowing in the blowing <laughs> <on. laughs> in the right direction. Blowing the right direction. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> That's that exceptionally gay interview. <laughs> I loved all the stuff with Kenny. I love that Kenny makes me laugh. Yeah. And then the bit where he gets killed is really sad. And then she says, I'm sorry, Kenny, but get off my fucking windshield. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I love Gail in her red shoes, stood in all the blood. Yeah. I love Gail's gold mac. Yeah. That's quite a, mm. quite a fashion choice. Well, there was a little, there was a little ham-fisted with the 30 second delay. I think they tell you there was a 30 second delay in the video about five, five times. Yeah. They do, yeah. And it's like, all right. They do. But there's also that funny moment where she first turns up at the party and everyone's saying to her, I love your show. And she's just like, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> she's being uber-cunt. It's great. You see a 90s mobile phone as well, don't you? Yeah. yeah. It's like a fucking brick. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that scene where he's shouting at the telly about yeah. uh, behind you, behind you, Jamie. And then um, the killer's coming behind it. Yeah. It's a little bit... Yeah. On the news. No, but it's good though. But it's it fun moments. It works as like tense and you're all like going, oh my God. That's like, where Sydney being chased through the house works. I think that's good. Mm. That's all good fun. And she ends up like falling out the window and sees Tatum hanging from the cat flap and all that. That's that's good. They're the best when I do like Sydney. Yeah. And then she's in the car and she's like trying to keep him out and he's getting in through the back door. That's all good suspense stuff. I do good. you think it's always said that Tatum's only ever gets discovered by Sydney no one else kind of acknowledges it because it's like at the it back is. of the house isn't it because I was like why don't they see it when everyone's leaving but it yeah. looks like it must be the back of yeah. the house yeah 
But like a brother doesn't even see her die or know that she's dead. He mm. just gets carried off. Like it's kind of it feels like a missed opportunity for such a good character mm. as well. Although for a horror film it is a long film and you can and they've already cut it for time, so can you imagine how long it would be? Yeah. It's like hundred and ten minutes or something. I don't think I would have believed him sappy and upset. Do you mean no? No. You can't do that. You can just be cute. Yeah. And then so then we get to the reveal really, don't we? Yeah, you have the red herringness of him getting stabbed. Yeah. Which, but it's really obvious that he's not stabbed at all. It's Cause, like yeah, because you see it with everyone else, don't you? And then he with him his backs to the camera and all that. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Although yeah. if you the first time, you know something's a bit off. If you're paying attention, like half an hour before, it says like the dad's a red terror, Billy's the killer. <laughs> yeah, we all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah, and you get the most like. It's very, I think, homoerotic when he's, like, over his shoulder. Yeah. Like, breathing down his neck, how close he gets. Maybe it's just a fantasy. I don't know. Which <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I never pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what you mean. I think it's because I find them both so unattractive. And it's just like really, like, close. Like, I don't think it's meant to be homoerotic as such. I think it's meant to be, like, he's just a big worshipper of him. Mm. Like, he is his... And he wants to be close and he wants to be like him. Yeah. And I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. So this last 10, 15 minutes, for me, really great on me. Um, I just, I find all of the dialogue really obvious and really, um, it's really smug. It's like, really like, oh, it just winds me up. He went on to write a TV series called The Following and every episode had this moment. There were like three serial killers in The Following or four and every episode had this moment where they were like, uh, you know, um, you just couldn't take it so you killed yourself and then I'm and then I shot you and then you shot you know all that sort mm. of this is what we're going to do because we're really clever uh, and I think it works once but I don't think it stands up to repeat of you and they just why me the fuck up yeah. I just wanted to kill them and not because they've killed people just because they're annoying me oh no I just think it's perfect it's yeah. one of my favourite scenes it's just like people doing people doing I'm so clever yeah really for me, as a clever, I just find it really annoying. I like the the kind of <clears throat> the, like just the lines, the like the you know, did they need emotive and stuff like yeah, that? The way they talk. Still, and yeah, I, don't, I don't really need emotive. Did Norman Bates have emotive? Which totally did. So if you listen to our podcast, he does have emotive. Of course, he has emotive. But then I don't know if Hannah Blackter has emotive for eating people, except for just being really clever. A sister, okay. sister. That's his motivation. <laughs> it's the sister thing. Okay. So there is always a motive. There's always a motive, and he has got a motive, hasn't he? Because he's just—he's like you know, your your slut mother was fucking my father, and that's why my mum left me. And she's no Sharon Stone. Yeah, yeah. The Sharon Stone line makes me laugh. That does make me laugh. But everything and all the overacting from Stu mm. and all the and all this just makes me want to fucking gouge his eyes out. I think it works. I think because he's. He was always an insane character anyway, and then he's literally bleeding out. Mm. I think it works for what he is. And a lot of it was improvised, though, and, like, when he gets the phone through Adam, it wasn't meant to hit him in the head. Mm. And he just carries on going with it, and I think it all works. Yeah. I suppose it does. I mean, the first time I watched it, it didn't bother me at all. But it's one of those films that repeated viewings don't work for me. The impression I got from that scene was that Billy was going to kill him anyway. Yeah, he was always in his plan. He was always going to oh. kill him and just blame him. They don't trust each other in the end, do no. they? Because they're both giving each other the eyes. Yeah, it? I think that's completely it. Even though they don't exactly yeah. say it, he was always going to kill him, wasn't he? Yeah, because you can see that Billy's the one in charge in the relationship, isn't he? Yeah. Stu's very much just... Um, going along with it yeah well he even says doesn't he I was bullied and so it was, it was peer pressure that's why I did it yeah because yeah. it doesn't 
Um, she actually says to him, "Why did you do it? I get why Billy's doing it, but why did you do it?" And yeah. he just says, "Oh, with peer pressure." Peer pressure, yeah, yeah. But then if you take the third film, he was also peer pressured into it. Just, just let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I also think that movies don't create psychos. Like, yeah, make psychos yeah. more creative. Like it is one well. of my all-time favorite yeah. lines in anything yeah. ever. And I could quote that totally so many times. I've used mm. that. Just to shut people up. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's good. I think it's a good line. I think um I think it's like like most of the script for me, it's the more the more I watch it, the more it winds me up. But I think it's a good like first time watch. Yeah. Definitely. The delivery. Yeah, just completely the delivery, it, it just really, really winds me up. And I think it did irritate me originally. It's just it's just overbearing and strident mm. and shouty and it's it's not it's unnecessary. Yeah. They're not like they're they're not insane. They're sadistic. Yeah. So they don't need to act bizarrely. Yeah. And they didn't have to actually act bizarrely, even if they were insane. It just it mm. it makes me hate it even more now that I know that Matthew Lord was improvising because like he isn't even doing it because he's been told to do it. He's yeah. been doing it because he wants to do it that yeah. way. Because he thinks it's a good it's idea. idea. <laughs> yeah, but even he actually says, "Ah, punch him in the head." He says in most of his interviews, I don't understand why they let me do that. Why was I overacting too much? Yeah. And I think he acknowledges that he probably went too far. Oh, that's quite nice. Good. And Kevin Williamson as well, when you look at interviews, I was reading an interview with him before, he said that a lot of the dialogue makes him cringe now when he looks back at it. Horribly embarrassed, as he should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But It was perfect. <laughs> I do it's, like it was at the time it was fine at the yeah, time it's, it's not I don't think it is perfect but it's I do think it's it's a good film and it's a fun watch definitely it's not a bad it's not a bad bad film and I loved it like the last bit where Gail comes back with the gun hmm. and um, yeah. my favourite bit is um, the fact that Sydney gets to stick a finger inside Billy in his, <laughs> his brolly hole yeah in his brolly hole I think that's great because I'd never seen that in the film before that was gross it was really gross, and it's it's just it's just um, it says a lot, doesn't it? That the girl gets to stick her finger in the boy at the end. Mm. That's quite cool. Did he actually has like um, a chest problem, and like they had to be very careful that they were going to hit the pad because he has like a really sensitive chest from like a heart operation or something. Oh. And they had to be really careful that the stunt woman hit the pad and not him. And of course, she came out with the mask and hit him right in oh. the next thing. So his reaction to that entire scene is oh, oh. Oh, real pain. Gosh. Could have killed him. <laughs> yeah, literally. That would have been a twist, wouldn't it? And I like Stu getting the telly on his head as well. I was going to say, it's just welcome to prime time. Welcome is, to prime time. Yeah. Isn't the line when the telly goes on his head something like... In your dreams. In your dreams. Yeah. So it is like a... Uh, yeah, Freddy, yeah, it is yeah, like yeah. a Freddy... Yeah. ...connection. And then Gail with the... I guess I remember the safety that time you bastard. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's, that's, I do like that. Um, yeah. And then, and then when he oh this is where the, the killer can wake up for one more scare yeah and just, not I think that's awful especially because he jumps up he's like, just, like he's like a vampire <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, oh. I don't understand why they included that that's just for fun isn't it yeah. I think though what they should have done is she should have said that line and then and she should have shot him in the head and nothing happened yeah. because you then couldn't get away with just someone being murdered like that though, would you I would have yeah. thought your hero of your film just murders someone who's just unconscious that's good old that's good old American no, but that's just and, and, got away with that. American um, 
what you call it, moralistic brigades, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's like you can't do it. Yeah. Double tap. Yeah. You kill them. You make sure that that yeah. he's just killed all your mates and trying to kill you. Yeah. I'd make sure he was dead. Even even getting away with killing, you know, the murderer being killed in the end. That's even that's probably you know you have to show you have to show them doing really horrible things to be able to justify them being killed. So I don't think someone just unconscious defenseless on the floor you could have got away with just that yeah. one shot we'd have all liked to see it though yeah and then she could have had a shit on him <laughs> pissed on him pissed on him <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy at the end I was thinking hmm, what could make this film more 90s oh Moby song <laughs> <laughs> so after it there was a murder wasn't there wasn't there a murder where two lads killed a woman yeah. and, and that was pinned on screen there was a couple of murders, wasn't there? I think even the um, they said it was screaming. The killers did, but yeah. Yeah. I think that was that's also out. then be referential to the film saying that that yeah that then they were being, they were thinking they were clever by saying that it was the film because the film said that you can't blame them. So it's yeah. a defense, isn't it? That's it's a defense. Use any argument. Also, they also they will have had a lawyer who will know. That people always go straight to the horror movies oh, and yeah. video games and stuff. Oh, it was two teenagers. It was a teenager and his cousin, and they killed his mum. And it, they said um, they were inspired by Scream and Scream 2. And there was another one few in 1999 where a teenager was killed mm. by his friends. And apparently they'd watched Scream shortly before attacking him and there was drawings of the ghost face mask amongst their possessions. So obviously everybody linked that to that. Of course. And also they linked Scream to the Columbine of course, High yeah. School Miss because obviously anything possible was linked to the Columbine yeah. High School Anything that lack of gun control was, yes. was responsible for the yeah. Columbine. I could um, stuff some interesting little facts because you think kind of cool. Okay. Um... The found the mask while well, locations got one because they'd been designing it for ages and it was originally a lot more ghouly and gobliny. Yeah. All the designs that I've seen have been awful. Yeah. And then they found it on the when the locations got one just in someone's bedroom. And then um. they found traced it back to where it was from. They tried to redesign it, couldn't, so they just ended up buying the rights. He basically shot all of the opening scene using the mask without permission mm. and then got the rights retrospectively. Was it just Ooh. a mass produced mass mass produced. Mass. It was literally found in a shop. Like yeah. it, looked, it did look that way because I remember when I first saw it, first of all I shit myself and second of all I thought that looks that familiar. Mm. That looks mm. like something you get in the fifty pence shop. But, but it works still for good. the anonymity of the killer, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And the person who got it only got paid hundred pounds. Oh but oh, they hell. did keep the rights and change the name of their mask to include Ghostface on it. Oh, so yeah. I think they got a lot of loyalties off. Uh, okay. Um they only got the NC-17 rating because Bob Weinstein rang up and said that it was a comedy. Yeah. And that was the final reason why they dropped it from... saying it was all satire. Yeah. Mm. And then that's why they got through. Well, the NC-17 yeah. is basically like an 18, isn't it? It's like the death of the film, NC-17 in yeah. America. Yeah. So they want it down, drop to an R, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and during the opening scene when they were ringing up... The, you, a, they never ever met the person who does the voice mm. he was always off screen but he actually rang them on the phone uh. to speak to them to give them that fright <laughs> and um, the phone box that they were using to relate the two calls broke 
so they started using the internal house phone. Um, so the call was coming from inside the house. She didn't know that it was connected to a real phone. She started know. calling the police and leaving voicemails, and eventually the police called back and asked them what was going on because they kept getting phone calls of a girl screaming down the phone. Oh, right. <laughs> and they had to trace it back, and they nearly got shut down. Oh my god! Yeah, there's lots of interesting things. Wow. I think there's probably more about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I yeah, I mean, it's 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 a good film. It's uh, it did come along at the right time for me, as like it came along at the right time for you, and it reinvigorated my love for horror films and um, the mainstream love for horror films. I think it just gave me more people to talk to about horror because mm. more people were sort of getting into it again. So it's definitely an important film, and much like the Tarantino stuff, I think it does make people hopefully makes made people go back and look at the source, the original yeah. source. It did with me as well, you know. Yeah. And there were films that it mentioned at the time. I didn't know, like, Town of the Dreaded Sundown. Yeah. Yeah. It made me go and research those films. So I've got a lot to thank it for. I just think uh, a lot of the... It's it's down to the script, really. A lot of the script, for me, doesn't age well. I think now that I look no. back... I think it. 90s things don't really age well, I don't think. I think what was a cursed and stuff, that mm. seems terribly just... Although I, I do I do really love um I know what you did last summer. And sometimes I, I prefer it to, to scream. Mm. I really hate because it. Because it's got a, um it's got just an honesty about it that's yeah. just like it's just a horror film. Mm. Does he write it before Scream? And then off the back of Scream he got it made. No, I don't think so. No. Not that I'm here. I thought I thought that he might have. Uh, yeah, I suppose this Scream's trying to be a bit too clever for its own good. For me, personally, yeah. But it's, yeah. I know we did last summer, as you say, it's just more of a straight horror film. Yeah. Was... And it's got Sarah Michelle Gellar in it. Yeah. But then she comes to the sequel. Of this, but she's not used very much as she, she's like... She's the first girl. Mm. And she's using the sequel. Yeah. In a party. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And I do like the parts of Scream 2 that are like Laurie Metcalf's in it. And she's she's amazing. I think a lot of people like two. It's the one I've seen the least, because I owned three on DVD. It was the only one that I ever owned when I was growing up. Mm. I don't know why. So I watched that one on repeat. So I know that one inside out, even though it, I know it's the worst. Didn't you go to see bit. Martin? Didn't you go to see Scream Two at the pictures on a date? And you it was like, yeah, it was a midnight scream. It was a midnight screaming. I was gonna say midnight screaming. Right. <laughs> um, and. Uh, yeah, you'd got me pissed before, and so went in and fell asleep and missed <laughs> three quarters of an hour of the film Did in you the miss middle. The so I didn't quite understand. <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on. Never mind, missed the reveal. Yeah. I didn't understand what was going on. Um, and that sort of stayed with me for Scream 2 ever since. So I never quite resolved missing those 45 minutes. There's a lot more references in Scream 2 to, I mean, it's an episode on its own, but there's more references to, in Scream 2 to Italian horror as well. Because right. the opening is references and demons, basically, isn't it? Mm. The, the mm. cinema. And then all the stuff in... Um, towards in, the end. Towards the end, is very, it's very Argento. There's lots of um, references to his film Opera. Okay. Yeah. All the stuff where they're making the play and all that. Um, th- so there's, there's loads of stuff in there that's, that's surprising, actually, some of the references in there, I think. They're all for free on Amazon Prime, aren't they? I think you'd have, so, go, you'd have to go a bit deeper, didn't you? They'd already used all the obvious mm. references. Yeah. And yet they are all... So I, might, I might watch them. Yeah. And three is, three is good as a comedy as well. Yeah. There's definitely Parker Posey's in it, and mm. she's always great. And it was written as they were filming it, which is, I just think is amazing. Oh, really? Oh, right. Like, literally, they, they were handed 
lines that he'd never seen, like entire scenes that he'd never seen before on set. That's funny. Before they shot them. Wow. And always, that just kind of... Usually guarantees a good product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rolling <laughs> rewrites. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the bit in the third one, sorry, just, it's only the bit I want to say, but the bit in the third one where she, they go back into the house that they've all run out of because the killer's meant to be inside and he gets delighted and um, oh, yeah. reads the script and he goes, and the person who survives is, is, is the one who smells the gas and then blows yeah, up. Yeah, he's one of the delicious things. Yeah. It's the worst and best scene in anything yeah. I've ever seen. It's funny. It's, yeah. Everyone in it is like comedy overacting. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. It's awful. Courtney Cox looks terrible in that film. She's got terrible fringe and too skinny. But and... I like the girl playing Courtney Cox. Martha Posey. Yeah, is it? Fabulous. And I like um, Princess Leia. Kelly Fisher's in it. Kelly Fisher is great. So yeah, um, they're all off. They're all free on Amazon Prime. So if you've got Amazon Prime, give them a look. If you've paid for it, it's free. It's the, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. If you've paid for your subscription, it's free. <laughs> yeah. Or if someone else has paid, paid for it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can buy it all for like ten pounds. So. Okay, yeah. I got it the other day. Okay. The less said about four, the better. I like four. <laughs> of course. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. No, I do. Yeah. So. <laughs> I will say I do not think that this film is perfect or like and I think there's a lot of flaws with most of the sequels but I think for me it's perfect so I don't care sure. well there you go <laughs> it's got that Dawson's Creek curse I loved Dawson's Creek when I was like 18 but if I watch it now I just want to like kill myself and then beat them with my dead body <laughs> <laughs> and I have similar moments in Scream so you know um, you might experience that but you'll get a good scare and a, a lot of good laughs so uh, yeah, yeah. The first 10 minutes is the strongest, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think anyway? Are you Do you agree? Or, or do you think that we're all talking loads of shit? Or do you want to just call us up and give us lots of threats? Do you want to gut us like fish? <laughs> I know I'm thinking about that right now, looking at Martin. Um, but um, that's just me. So tweet us and let us know what you thought of this episode. I'm at Johnny Larkin. I'm HD99. Uh, Cthulhu502. I'm Martin, how do we get hold of you? I'm 24 in Elm Street. Buy <laughs> <laughs> the mailbox for the liver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening. Oh, check out our blog as well, screamingqueens.com. And um, yeah, we will be back with you in a couple of weeks with more ghoulish horror and hijinks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>